Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. To the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast with Borg, Betts, and a baller. Welcome in. It's Wednesday, November 1st, or as Mike calls it, Christmas season. Oh, it is. Yes, yes. Sorry, we, we record a little bit early, so <laughs> I'm still in spooky season. But yes, it is Christmas time. Thank you. So, Mike, does does spooky season last literally one day, and then we're right into Christmas season, or how does that work? Uh, oh no! I, like I, uh, spooky season is definitely allowed October first. Okay, and I'm like I'm fine. You know, if people want to start running it in September, it doesn't bother me. It's like it's it, it's a it, for me September. It's a little bit too long because I mean Halloween's. It's not as multifaceted as the holiday season and things like that. So, like, but I get it. I get the the people that love Halloween. They are very much into Halloween, and I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. I'm just it's all anti Thanksgiving. That's everything comes back to that. I, I I understand that as a former teacher. There's a lot of stuff you learn where you're just going. You know what? <laughs> this is a little different um, from what I was told as a child. But you sure about that? <laughs> you sure yeah. about that? Um, but also, Mike, I just I, I don't know if I agree with it with that take with you and Jason. I mean, I love that you guys are for it. I think I like that more that you're so into that take than actual the take itself. So I had you for that. You're saying you, you're not a November first Christmas season right away? No, I'm not a clown, but that's fine. Yeah, you got. So what is November then? You got to wait just a couple weeks. Like, let's get at least two Thanksgiving. Or at least the week of Thanksgiving or something. And then it can be Christmas season. But uh, 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 that, no, that's man. my Christmas take. is awesome. Christmas is fantastic. And it's having a having three weeks of Christmas is not enough. Maybe the part is, is Mike, you grew up in Arizona. Bets and I have been East Coast boys. And so we actually feel like this is like pretty cold. And it's going to get colder. But you're just kind of swimming in the same season. Oh, it's still hot here. Yeah, I, 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 I don't miss part of that, um, but I do miss getting to see your face all the time. On this show, we will be talking about stats that matter for Dynasty. We're going to compare a number of young players, including something I, I honestly did not think that we would be coming on a podcast season at all and saying 
man, maybe Will Levis is better than we thought. Well, we'll we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Let's put the brakes. Okay, that's fine with me. I will be uh, discussing Will Levis later. I went back, watched the tape, grinded the tape, boys. And uh, man, the Falcons really screwed the pooch on that one. It was bad. Yes. It was uh, It was very, very bad. Uh, but before we get into it, Mike, you wanted to highlight a running yeah. back that you uh, you went all in for Dynasty. I, I had to do it. I stand by my <laughs> screw them RBs take, but I had to make a... I had to make a move to compete. I had to get a stronger RB2, Alexander Madison. You know, it's it's been an okay-ish season for Madison, but there is there is certainly a chance that uh, Cam Akers takes over. And so I had to be kind of be proactive with that. So having said that, I was offered multiple different trades. Uh, they were all around uh, surrounding Derrick Henry. So... I don't know if you, Kyle, do you know what the actual, don't say it, but do you know what the actual trade ended up being? I, I did not. Okay. All right. Perfect. And Betts has no idea what, cause he's not in the league uh, at all. So here you go. Here were the four options that I was given and you can try and see, um, where, try and guess where I landed. All right, here we go. Cause I, this is in for context. My starting offer was a 2025 first and a 2024 second, just picks for Derrick Henry. And then I got these counter offers. Number one, Alexander Madison and a 2025 first for Derrick Henry. A.J. Dillon and a 2025 first for Derrick Henry. <laughs> take, take it easy over here, fellas. <laughs> uh, Zay Flowers for Derrick Henry. or. Najee Harris and a 2024 second for Derrick Henry. So, which one do you think I took, and which one would you have taken? There's no way you dealt your boy Zay Flowers straight up. Yes, yeah. Let's we can just get that one out of the way. Not a chance. So like, yeah. screw them RBs. I'm not trading a rookie a rookie wide receiver who looks like he's already a hit. Right. I feel like you would have been super glad to not have AJ Dillon on your team. So that one's <laughs> kind of kind of interesting. I think you went with the Najee one. What do you think? I was going to say the exact same thing. I think the Najee one. All right. You are correct. I traded away Najee Harris and a 2024 second. The fact that it was, I I know it's this year, but it's a a second. And now I still have uh, two firsts in 25 where I was like, that's some good ammo to have. And then honestly, the, the way I've, looked at it was okay what is the future of Najee Harris he's a stealer next year like next year is year four so that's part of his first round contract that's not even including the fifth year option which at this point I guess neither would uh, neither side would would surprise me if the Steelers are just like yeah we'll pay him for that fifth year Uh, but it's like what is the future of Najee with Jalen Warren there you know it's a timeshare is this offense ever going to get it going together or get it together lower lower draft pick and honestly I was you know trying to find the future for any of these players and it's like Madison is still under contract next year um, and cheap like he'll still be on the team I don't know what's going to happen with Cam Akers or if they replace him and then AJ Dillon is heading into free agency so while AJ Dillon has been incredibly disappointing my thought process was for next year, 
who has an actual chance. It's very small, but a chance. This is what Dynasty is, grabbing on, latching onto those small probability chances. A.J. Dillon has a small percentage chance to improve his fantasy outlook over Najee, in my opinion, heading into 2024. So that combined with the smaller amount of draft capital, I traded away my boy Najee Harris and me and the Yeti, me and old man Yeti, we're trying to make a title run here. We are, at the time of this recording, I think we have like 20 minutes until the NFL trade deadline. Doesn't seem like it's going to happen. But I don't even, at this point where, let me ask you guys this. Do you think it's better for Derrick Henry to be on the Titans with the chance that Will Levis is just a, at least a competent quarterback plus their schedule, or is it better for him to go be part of a timeshare for the Baltimore Ravens? I, I think that's, I mean, this tough the, by the time people are hearing this, but it's just like, let's just muse right. on it for just a second. Well, I was going to ask you if you made the trade with uh, the hopes of a Derrick Henry trade or not, but I think just speaking to if he's on the Titans, which by the time you're listening to this, you will know, uh, it seems likely. I mean, at this point, like he should be heavily involved, right? And I know yeah. Kyle's going to talk about Will Levis in detail, and I don't want to... <laughs> yeah, gosh, this guy grinds the table all the time. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but it's a one-game sample, and everyone's like, oh, Will Levis is definitely the answer. I think Derrick Henry is going to be the answer as far as their game plan moving forward. Will Levis got there on deep bombs and efficiency. Not a lot of pass attempts. It was Derrick Henry who touched the ball a ton last week coming out of the bye week. So I think it's going to be the Derrick Henry show moving down the stretch here. And, man, we know when it gets colder, it's Yeti season. So I think Derrick Henry is going to be uh, heavily involved. I heard there was snow in Vermont over the weekend. Is that is that true? I can't confirm nor deny since I don't live there anymore. <laughs> uh, however, I will I will reach out to my sources, aka the right. internet, in one second. I'm not here to sniff your farts, Mike, but I will say that <laughs> what I a know, sentence. Trading for an old running back that's at the end of the line, but has a great schedule and is honestly, you want to get a player that just has a chance at upside. There is no chance that Najee Harris could have given you any spike weeks as you get closer to the playoffs. So it's it's at the point of the season where you can throw out age, you can throw out all these other contract stuff. Uh, and I, I see these questions all the time in our Discord. They're like, oh, you know, I'm a competing team. Should I still try to like trade on the fly and think about next year? It's like, no, you are trying to win a championship right now. Don't just like always play for a year or two out. Like at some point you're going to try to win right now. So uh, these are the kind of moves that people are making. I'm seeing them all the time. And we're going to be talking dynasty trades over the next couple of weeks on this show because the trade deadlines are approaching in a lot of leagues. So that should be fun. But I want to look at some players that behind the scenes, things changed a little bit. I think a lot of times we only look at fantasy production, but let's go through a couple of week eight snap count observations bets. I will let you start first with a player who is trending up and you might even be flexing him this week in dynasty. Yeah, he's sort of the the hot name on like the waiver wire for wide receivers this week in redraft leagues. It is Demario Pop Douglas, which just Demario Pop. Give him extra points just for that sweet name. Um, but over the last two weeks, has played sixty seven and seventy seven percent of the snaps, and obviously now we have a wide receiver room that they basically have kind of not used Juju at all this year. Demonte Parker's in concussion protocol. Kendrick Bourne, who's quietly been really good this year. 
um, is out with the ACL. He's done for the year. Behind that, it's like Jalen Rager and Tyquan Thornton, who was a healthy scratch last week. It's just, it's bad, man. It's really bad. But you've got Bob Douglas playing snaps, and it's a small sample. But this year, when he's been on the field, he has earned targets at a pretty high level. 26% targets per outrun is a very good mark for any player, let alone a rookie wide receiver, especially a guy that's a late round pick like Pop Douglas. So I'm very interested to see kind of what his usage is moving forward. He's kind of been only like a three wide receiver set sort of guy for them, but they've shown zero willingness, like I said, to get Taquan Thornton involved, Juju involved, those kind of guys. So this wide receiver room is ugly. He needs to be a focal point moving forward. Yeah, he's one of those players that's kind of forced himself on the field in preseason. Like New England beat writers kept talking about him and I can't I can't really tell in preseason if it's like, oh well here's just a name for you to talk about because you you need to write something. But at the end of the day, he has forced his way on the field. You mentioned his targets per outrun. And guys, what was their plan at wide receiver before the season when they had a meeting? Like, did they have a meeting? Or do they just kind of say, let's throw some money at Juju, let's throw even more money at Devontae Parker? I it's it's weird. They're, they didn't have a good plan. They've, but they've not had a. I mean, aside from the, like they, they have been. Let uh, let's call it. They've been lucky, like very very lucky. So, thinking about it, the the trade for Randy Moss. You know when he was disheveled, was quitting on the NFL. Like it, Randy Moss's career looked like it might be, basically coming to an end. Of just him not liking the game. Still had the physical assets, but they get him. Obviously, incredible things happen for the Patriots and Randy Moss. Like the the trade getting Wes Welker, didn't they get him from, like from the Dolphins or something? Yes. And it was, and but who could you have really seen him turning into that? Then you had Julian Edelman, who was a defensive back, I think a seventh round pick or something. And over the course of his career, he turned into that slot wide receiver, but. They've not been very good at identifying wide receivers just in general over recent history. So it shouldn't be all that surprising that they keep whiffing. Yeah, it's it's a weird team. I'm going to stay in the AFC East and give you another wide receiver who is burst onto the scene somehow, like out of nowhere, because Khalil Shakir, wide receiver for Buffalo Bills, their fifth-round draft pick the year before, I feel like he was just like sitting on dynasty rosters of like, I don't know if this guy's ever going to like give us anything meaningful. And then in week eight, he leads the team in receiving yards, goes six for 92, 65% of the snaps. So I wanted to mention that because that's his highest snap count since week four of, of last year. So it's like Dawson Knox was on IR, their backup tight end Quentin Morris was out, and Ken Cade was the only active tight end on the roster. So they said basically, screw it, we can't do 12 personnel this week, let's go back to 11, and Shakir was pretty great. His 92 receiving yards in the slot were the second most by a Bill slot wide receiver of the last two years per pro football focus. So it's tough because I think they want to do 12 personnel, but I feel like the thing that's been off about this team this year is they're almost trying to make that happen. They're trying to make fetch happen, you know, to quote Mean Girls, and it's just not. So I, I kind of like them in 11 personnel because they used to be like number one in the league. So Kukir is interesting. I don't think you can play him every single week. Like you don't just think, oh, he's their new slot guy. Like they rotated in, who was it? Trent Sherfield, Deontay Hardy, but he's at least a name to to notice. And I think all of us thought like you could 
gamble on him. Maybe he's a thing. Um, but it was nice to see. Yeah, and that was like the thing uh, that the shift from twelve back to eleven once uh, uh, Knox was put on the IR. I think that's one of those things that was like it's right there. You know, it's so clear and obvious that they will have to do this, but we didn't put enough attention on it. Um, and Shakir was the one who came through. I, you know, I I think it's very interesting, very interesting to be at sixty five percent, actually succeed and. They have been the Bills have been looking for that player for a long time. You know, it was like it, Cole Beasley kind of had his moment there for the Bills for a little bit, but then they wanted to replace it. Like it seems like the the draft of Dalton Kincaid was a little bit of well, he's the best he's the best receiving option left on the board who can play the inside for us. And so it shouldn't be really shocking that someone is that if someone has an ability like Shakir and he's stepping up I, I don't think it's too crazy and it might be a little sticky we'll see we'll see uh the guy I wanted to highlight is just is is it finally Zach Charbonnet time for the Seattle Seahawks it remains to be seen uh we had Ken Walker missing multiple days of practice with uh Betts do you remember what it was yeah it was Leg, a calf issue calf issue so he was cleared. Walker was cleared. Not didn't did not have an injury designation, and played, but played you know extremely lowest low snaps. Forty one percent the lowest of the season. Had the huge run, and it looked like we were off to the races with Kenneth Walker again. But then he just finished with eight for sixty six on the ground. Meanwhile, Charbonnet fifty nine percent of the snaps, couple catches. He was drafted in the second round for a reason. I don't think that. This is the new normal of Charbonnet plays more than Walker, but all of us that had Walker on our Dino teams, you, if it kind of was like a false sense of confidence over those first few weeks, where it was like, okay, no, we're good. Don't worry about anything, everyone. Kenneth Walker is still the guy. He's going to get all the touches because that's what it looked like. But behind the scenes was Charbonnet had his own injury to deal with. Now he's healthy. Flip the script. Kenneth Walker's dealing with injury, as he often has already in his young career. But something to pay attention to that this could end up being 50-50 much sooner than later. You're hoping that this player is usable this this year. And I I just I wonder if we're gonna get that sooner than later. I think we kind of just hope it's injury only. Like, do you think it could turn into 60-40? For charbs at the 40? Yeah. I yes, I do. I I I think that is very possible. And then it comes down to who is playing inside, who's in the red zone, and who's inside the 10. Because that could easily be Charbonnet with, you know, big grinder body. So that would be a terrifying thing for Kenneth Walker managers. Not that he can't hit a home run. He absolutely can. But you still want those easy, you want the easy touchdowns. And if Charbonnet takes them away, by the end of the season, it, it could be a ugly situation. I was going to say, too, just in general with, with Seattle, the rookies over the last couple of years, it's been a slow burn, right? And we're seeing that with JSN, where it's not just he's on the field right away out of the gate. He's kind of taking time to earn targets, earn playing time. Same could be true for Charbonnet. Like, if he's healthy, as the weeks goes on and we get to the fantasy playoffs, I would not be surprised if he is seeing the ball a little bit more just because that's kind of what Seattle has historically done. So yeah, and then like you said, you've got the injury upside as well. If Walker would miss time, you know what you've got in Charbonnet. 
There's only pain involved, though, with Pete Carroll. That's, <laughs> yes. There's just, I mean, if you're a manager of a Seattle player, you're just holding your breath every single week like, are they just going to unleash? Like, they've been scoring, too. Since week two, I think they've been averaging like 20, 27 points. And yet there's still weeks where you're like, how are they going to distribute the ball? So they're a good team, but I feel like they could be great offensively. And it's just kind of like muddled some weeks. So we'll see how it goes moving forward. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Gotta get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. All right, we're going to dig into some stats in just a second, but I had a stat that I don't know if Mike's aware of this because Uh you you just... You just did the Halloween episode, mm-hmm. and uh, for those that haven't checked that out on YouTube, like do yourself a favor, check it out. It's a great episode. But I want you to know, Mike, that you broke <clears throat> a 44-episode streak of wearing a hat. Oh, because I had a wig on. You had gone 44 straight episodes wearing a hat. Interesting. Is it the longest of your career? I haven't added up all the numbers yet, but it's... You've been on a, on a crazy streak, and Jason himself. Yeah, Jason has has stolen my look with the uh, the hat being the fantasy hat man. Uh, I don't know if that's my longest streak ever or not. It 
It might be. The early days, there was no hats involved. Well, the early days, I had the man bun, and you can't even wear a hat with that. And then I cut the hair real short, so it's, I mean, very, very easy to to manage. You know, just a just a little bit of product, and you're good to go. <laughs> and now I I keep the hair longer, just in case I need to be fancy. But I wear a hat almost a hundred percent of the time right now. You you are a handsome and fancy man. Um, good shout out a long time ago for the show. And then last thing, Mike, did you know that when you cut your hair, fun fact of the show, okay. was the exact same episode that Jay Grizz debuted. Ooh, yeah, that makes sense. That uh, yes, that does make sense. I'm just what a, uh, if you're a fantasy footballer's trivia man. It, it is, it, you know, it's there's another level of fantasy footballer's lore of just like okay. There's fantasy football, and then there's just what the show's become. So it's pretty fun. <laughs> it's uh, it's a, it's a weird thing if you think about it. You have a weird job, and we all have weird jobs. Yes, extremely weird. Yes, super fun. All right, let's get into it. Dig deeper, y'all. Let's go. <laughs> That's also a really old drop. You know. <laughs> That's an old drop. You got to reach back. And dig deep, right? That's uh, the that quote, I don't think it's the. I don't think it is a direct from it. But um, are you guys familiar with Beachbody, the company, P ninety X Beachbody? Yes. Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. So Beachbody is the company that did P ninety X, and then uh, the the fella that did hip hop abs also did a a a uh, uh, program called Insanity, which Shout out to anyone who's ever done it. It is, in fact, insane to, to do it. Uh, like, if you want immediate shin splints, <laughs> go ahead and fire that thing up. Uh, but that was that was one of his his things that he would like yell that all the time. I had a roommate in college that went on a P ninety X kick, and I'm pretty sure he got into insanity as well, and just ruined his life in a good way. Like he was shredded afterwards, but yes, it's uh, it's pretty wild. So on this episode, I think it'll be super helpful for a lot of people to gauge where young players are at. I think that's something you're doing on the fly in dynasty of saying, okay, so I have this quarterback, you know, I have this wide receivers in year two or year three. Are they meeting a bar that I need to actually move forward? Like do, are they giving me the type of results or is there something that tells me like, Hey, I can move on despite them being young, like young receivers keep their dynasty value for a while because they're tantalizing. There's a reason why Terrace Marshall was my dude and I held on. And then I just, are you still holding? Where are we no, at I, on that? I dropped him to the bottom okay. of the Atlantic. All right. <laughs> no, I said, <laughs> I, uh, it's, you so had to move Panthers. on. <laughs> yeah. And, and he was supposed to be one of those players traded. Um, apparently no one wants him. I don't know why he just went to the wrong team, but on this episode, we're going to be talking about some of those players, some bars, and some stats that matter. So we'll talk about rookie quarterbacks first because it was a big week. Will Levis had a big week. Bryce Young, CJ Stroud this past week played each other. So we're going to talk about some of those. But when it comes to stats for young quarterbacks, one, they need time. They need actual starts. So it's hard because Will Levis just had his first start and the Panthers and Texans are generally bad teams. What I care about most, and this is from my research, is that if a rookie quarterback starts nine plus games, 
then they usually end up being a QB1 in the next couple years. In fact, 75% of quarterbacks with nine plus starts end up giving you at least one QB1 season the next two years. So that's good news. That's really good. We care about rushing ability, which we're not really seeing from these guys. And we also care about ADOT. Now, ADOT takes a little bit to stabilize. You can't just say, here's two or three weeks. But for the first couple of weeks, it was like Bryce Young throwing the ball two yards down the field. Bets, I will let you start first because Young pretty much had his best game of the year. They kind of shocked most people by winning at the very end against the Texans 15-13. So what did you see in Young and what can we expect moving forward for fantasy football? Yeah, this is, I think, a really interesting uh, topic because going into the bye, we got the news that they were going to change their play caller and everyone thought, okay, well, what does that mean? Do we see a more aggressive game plan? Do they just get different players involved? What does this mean for Adam Thielen? And what happened in general is that the team went more aggressive, more pass uh, first, which is exciting for all the Panthers pass catchers. Gave us an opportunity to see Bryce Young a little bit more in, I think, favorable passing situations. You know, they were so conservative early in the year that he was kind of behind the eight ball and he was having to throw in, you know, second and long situations, third and long situations. And for any quarterback, that's hard to succeed, let alone a rookie quarterback. And so just to put some numbers to it, with Thomas Brown as the OC, they posted a plus 6% pass rate over expectation. In the first five games they had, it was negative 2%. So small sample, we'll see if that sticks. But at least what I saw is that this offense is willing to test him a little bit more as the year goes on. Coming out of the bye, he did have his best game of the year, statistically speaking. 71% completion rate, 7.6 YPA, and a QBR over 100 now, did it translate to fantasy success for him? No, and I don't think it's really going to. So to me, this isn't about can Bryce Young be a top 10, top 12 fantasy quarterback. I think there will be a few weeks here and there where it happens. He just doesn't have the ceiling I think that we're looking for, but at least it leaves the light on for Jonathan Mingo and of course Adam Thielen moving forward, maybe DJ Chark for a few weeks here and there. So I just saw better overall play as a passer. Um, the er- area where he struggled he took six sacks. Uh, that's still a little bit of an issue, but at least they were more aggressive play calling. And like I said, I think it's better for the weapons in Carolina short term than for Young himself as a fantasy asset. People wanted him to be Russell Wilson. And one, he doesn't run like that. And unless I see him being unleashed, like it's hard for me to ever see a finish for him better than like fringe QB1, like QB11, 12 on a season. So is is that kind of like the range that you're thinking for him? Like, I know we only have seven starts, but that's what I've seen so far. Yeah, I think, I mean, we were a little concerned just in general about his fantasy ceiling outlook as a fantasy quarterback when he entered the NFL. And he hasn't really shown us much that should change that idea. Like I said, can he be a middle to back end quarterback too in fantasy? Sure. But is that going to matter? Does that change your team's outlook? Does that help you actually win a championship? I don't really think so. So I'm still not necessarily sold on him as a fantasy asset in and of himself. Like I said, more just encouraged by, I guess, his ability to potentially support different, uh, you know, pass catchers, not just Adam Thielen. This week, they have a fun matchup against Indianapolis, who's been bleeding points in the Frank Reich revenge game. So that's kind of a fun game. I feel like if you're, you know, you have him in Dynasty and you're in a Q, uh, two QB league, you can at least be excited. Mike. Especially on this week's slate where we got oh, yeah. Clayton Toon and... Jaron Hall and, and the boys out there. Yeah. yeah. Mike, hit us with our boy. Uh, I'm going to... Is Coleridge Bernard Stroud the fourth? Wait, is that his real name? Yeah. 
His full name, I should say. Hey, that, that, that's not bad. Uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, the the conversation of around C.J. Stroud is just where, because he, it's similar to Bryce Young in the fact that there's no real, like he doesn't have the rushing superpower. You know, he's, for the most part, has been pretty consistently giving us two passing touchdowns. But the where is the confidence level with Stroud right now where, of course, it's it's off to a bit of a rocky start. He had to open up on the road against the Baltimore Ravens, you know. And it was we saw at least some flashes in that game of, whoa, okay, okay, maybe Stroud could play in the NFL. But then from from week week three to six in that four game span, we had a top twelve finish in three of them. But we've kind of have this this unfortunate arc of now we're coming back down and there's more game tape on CJ Stroud. Do you think he is the the downturn here the past couple of weeks? Is he a victim of matchup or is the our NFL defense is figuring something out. He, what I like for Stroud versus Bryce Young is like he has he has some like some capable weapons to grow with. Where, yeah, I get Adam Thielen has been a superstar this year, and maybe maybe we all got fooled. Maybe Adam Thielen fooled the entire world last year when he looked like he was absolutely washed, and it turns out no, something weird was going on. Yeah, or he was just banged up, and he's going to be okay for a couple years. But so I feel more confident in C.J. Stroud's weapons. But this downturn here of of especially yards per attempt, where it you know it slowly ratcheted up to ten, but now this past week we were down to five point eight, despite completing a whole bunch of his passes. What did you? What have you guys seen from Stroud the last couple weeks? It, like, is your confidence the same? Is it a little bit shaky? Where are you at with him, Betts? Yeah, I'm I'm mostly the same. It's kind of where we've been. You know, for any rookie quarterback, we shouldn't expect it to be perfect in year one. There's going to be ups and downs. And I think we've seen enough. Again, it's a small sample. It's only eight games uh, for all these guys. It's a small sample. But we've seen enough to, to know that he's succeeding, I think, where it matters most. And as Kyle has always pointed out, it's in that short to intermediate area of the field. Can you hit those throws on a consistent basis? I think the answer is yes. He's also shown a willingness that he's not afraid to throw over the middle of the field. Uh, which you need to do in today's NFL to succeed. And so, like you mentioned, he's got those weapons. I like what they're doing with their uh, offensive coordinator and their play caller in general. The issue is when they have lost this year, their actual like pass rate has been uh, low. And it seems like they're almost like trying to force the run game to happen, even though the run game has not been great in recent weeks. So just put some numbers to that. In their wins, their pass rate over expectation has been right around uh, neutral, minus 1.6%. In their losses, it's minus 6%. So like, I think they just need to let Stroud go, man, and, and let it happen. So um, I've seen enough to know that, or, or I think I know rather, that he should be an above-average starter in the league as time goes on. So I'm still holding holding strong. I think you can also say that his weapons aren't elite, right? It's like we're like, they're Correct. good. They're good, though, yeah. They're good young players, but there are games where Tank Dell's still a rookie, and there are games where Nico Collins is just going to not create separation and he's kind of a lumberer still. So I, I, I just worry like there are, there will be games where this team will not be competitive if they can't run the ball. So they're trying to run the ball, but then it kind of doesn't work out in a way they need to. So um, I'm still on him. Like what if they, what if, what if they got T Higgins next year? 
Ooh, baby. Okay. I, okay. That was a good I'm talking. I just love Stroud. I feel like he's he's a gamer. He's I think they just need to get more creative with him. But um yeah, I think it hasn't really changed since, you know, week three or four. We're like, okay, this is the player they got at number two overall. I want to mention Banana Rama, Will Levis. Because I, I this is what I said in our Slack channel. I said, Will Levis drop kicked us all. And then he danced on our graves. And I'm including he did myself. for a week. Yes, for a week. So what I did is I went back, grinded the tape, as the boys said. But mostly to remember why, as a Falcons fan, when you count on us, count us out. Okay? So while everybody was like, I'm going to play the Falcons defense. No, don't do that. I mean, you can play them. But just don't expect them to come through. And the bombs, the deep bombs, are the one that's going to get a lot of the publicity because Hopkins... Um, Akine Westbrook had one. Burks dropped a deep bomb, by the way, and Aconquo dropped one too, which poor one out. The raw tools, guys, were very clear. Like we, we, we didn't come into this saying Will Levis can't throw the ball forty yards downfield. We came into this saying I don't know about his decision making, and that's the one thing that when I went back and watched every single throw, when things were off script, he completed just thirty six percent of his passes under pressure, and the Falcons don't create very much pressure, by the way. So, Will Levis, when he's challenged to go off what like what is actually there, I think it's going to be an issue, and he can throw it 50, 60 yards down the field. I just don't think that's always repeatable. So, can you play him every single week? No, you should not. Like, Do you guys have other thoughts? I know we've kind of been mostly anti-Levis, but is there anything that you saw that said like, okay, I was wrong about this, or he's better than what I thought in this area? I don't think you can really know yet, right? I mean... It's one game, like you said, Atlanta. Your job really... is for hot takes, bets. <laughs> I'm not going to give them, Mike. I'm going to let them fall to you. Um, Atlanta really, you know, like you said, Kyle, kind of disappointed. And and when would they ever do that, right? Mm. They're disappointed in this spot defensively. Um, bunch of deep attempts. I mean, he only attempted 29 passes, right? And 8.2 YPA, 13% touchdown rate. Obviously, that small sample stuff is not enough to give us an answer. I think relative to the expectations around the industry, it was like, oh, okay, this exceeded our expectations. So I'm excited that there's at least a chance that this could work out. And look, if this team, you know, we'll see what happens with the record and, and everything like that. But if they are, you know, competitive down the stretch and they can somehow see the wild card spot, I'd be I'd be so interested to see what this team does. Like, do they keep going with Will Levis or go back to Ryan Tannehill, who's still on the roster? So in the short term, I'm excited to see what happens here. They get a, a tough matchup against the Steelers and their pressure with TJ Watt and company this week. So I'm interested to see how he does on a short week. But uh, I think you at least leave the light on that this is better than it could have uh, you know expected. Yeah, I, just, I like the fact that we have someone who's going to challenge downfield. Ryan Tannehill has uh, two passing touchdowns on the year. He played six games. Well, almost six games. Uh, so... The fact that we have someone who's willing to do that and has like a, a really big, strong arm where Tannehill has not looked the same. Like he doesn't, he's, we're a far away, a ways from uh, the year that got him the bag of money from, from Tennessee. But this year in particular, Ryan Tannehill to the eyeball has looked uncomfortable and old, I guess would be a good way to describe how he's looked for me. Uh, so to have a competent quarterback, that's gigantic for Derrick Henry. 
And one of the one of the touchdowns was some of the most absurd offensive pass interference I've ever seen not get called. DeAndre Hopkins literally made the defender do a 360 out of bounds, but he was looking at the ball, so I guess it was all okay to the ref. So some really fluky stuff here, but he has he has traits at least. He has he's all powered up from the banana peels, so we'll see if we'll see if moving forward we can get anything. But I'm I'm with bets. I think the with with uh his matchup against uh Watt coming up, there could be some problems. His arm motion, this was my note too, it feels more like a dart throw. Yeah, it it's a strange the ball. It's a very strange swinging motion. Yeah. One of the comps that people gave was was Josh Allen, which you know, playing style in college, Will Levis definitely had some moments where he's like trying to run like Josh Allen, but their throwing motion could not be more different in terms of Josh Allen's just kind of got that big long arm. Um, Levis just kind of like places a dart and he gets enough on it that it, it, it goes further than what you think based on the arm motion, but, um, he, he can be a menace vertically. Like that can actually happen. I just wonder with this team and Traylon Burks, by the way, has dropped, Sheesh, I feel like, man. seven balls this year. It's um, He was getting so much hype in camp and buzz. Remember that? Those are the days. <laughs> oh, man. You remember you remember July, guys? August? <laughs> I remember his rookie draft scouting season. I loved Burks, but... Eh, eh, eh. Speaking of wide receivers, we are going to talk about a couple stats that matter and check in on some players some young players, because I think a lot of people have wide receivers on their roster. They're supposed to have the longest shelf life in Dynasty, and yet you're trying to figure out what is this player. So, guys, right now we are only eight weeks into the season, so you can't just totally say this is where a player is at. But usually, if a wide receiver's targets per outrun is a, you know, 15% or below, it's like, okay, they're just, uh, they're running routes. They're cardio kings, as Betts calls them, the, uh, the uh, MVSs and Alec Pierces of the world. Are just uh just running, man. So those are the ones we care about. And then yards per route run. If a player has a yards per route run below one, meaning they're not gaining a yard for every route run, then that's not good either. That's the Sky Moore level that we look at. So, Mike, I will let you talk first about a player that you maybe have some concerns about eight weeks into his career. I just wanted to you know, just have the conversation about it. It's the guy I talked about in my trade earlier. It is my boy Zay Flowers, who week one, it was absolutely incredible. Not necessarily the total production, but the fact that I think he had 10 targets. I mean, a rookie getting 10 targets in their first game is spectacular. But I want to, you know, I want to try to step back and objectively look at it where, because I'm, I am emotionally connected to Zay Flowers. I drafted him in Dynasty, was one of my guys that I was touting for the offseason of, you need to get this guy in redraft. His, his ADP is way too late. And I think he's been a, a good pick so far from where he was going. But moving forward, what is the future for Zay Flowers? Again, we're, we're you know only eight games into the career or whatever. But one of the things that we also want to see is a at least you know about a ten yard average depth of target, the A dot, and Zay Flowers has been used a lot, a lot close to the line of scrimmage. We're talking sixty six percent of his targets are it's under that ten yard, uh, the ten yard mark that we're looking for, 
and it's not that he can't do it. Zay Flowers was a was just destructive in in his final season in college. Like this guy was a big play machine, but the Ravens are not using him like that. At least not frequently. Every once in a while, we see him get to go open it up and go downfield. But he's being used a lot close to the line of scrimmage, and just the human nature of things. Once you know, as as people, as humans, once we decide this is how something works, it often shapes the like the forever future of that person or you know that thing. Like so, I have I'm starting to get a little bit of the concerns of not that he's a, not his talent, but his utilization in this offense is Monken going to say, no, this this is my short area guy. This is my screen guy, and I'll let Bateman or whoever be the person who goes downfield. So it, it's not that things can't change because we saw Keenan Allen's rookie year. Keenan Allen was a deep threat his rookie year. Then he got pulled totally pulled back and was the short yardage, good route running player. So just wondering if you guys have any of those concerns that I'm talking about of this is how Zay Flowers is being used and it's good like this will probably be the offense at least for the next year or two and is that how they're just going to keep using him because if it is it's you you won't get the potential that Zay Flowers actually brings as a talent it's a little concerning like you mentioned that 30 percent of his targets behind the line of scrimmage is is not something you want to see. I mean, that's like Rondell Moore type of stuff where you're like, okay, that can work in a PPR league, but it's not something you want for a first round wide receiver that it, he, he's also weird because 20% of his targets are deep. So it's like, they want to take deep shots. They like throwing him screens and they're doing nothing. I mean, nothing in the intermediate area, which is, it's a weird offense bets. Do you have a read on Monken? Because we, we've all been very pro Monken, the three of us. And I feel like the usage has been not what we want. What's so funny is I wonder if if uh, Todd Monken knows he was like this fantasy football hero all summer or where we thought he was going to be this fantasy football hero all summer. But yeah, it has been confusing. I'm actually looking right now at his like his route charts on next gen stats. Those are actually kind of fun to to check out. There's games where like literally it's like 10 yards down the field and under in every route he's run. And then there's one like in week five where it's everything is down the field. So it's kind of been a week to week situation where you don't really know what the role is going to be for Zay Flowers I would like to see him use more on easy routes like crossers and stuff get him moving with the ball in his hands across the middle of the field they haven't done that yet I don't know if that's going to change if they're still trying to figure out his role Um, it seems somewhat discombobulated right now in Baltimore and I just kind of wonder like are they still trying to make Rashad Bateman happen like they trying to keep Odell happy like it seems like those factors are sort of holding back the offense a little bit is what it seems like to me but that's just from the eye test i don't have any numbers or data to support that it just kind of seems like their best way of of moving the ball in the passing game to me would be heavily utilizing zay flowers on easy routes across the middle of the field and getting mark andrews to do what he always does and it kind of seems like these deep balls to Aguilar and sideline shots to odell just don't work so i have been a little disappointed so far from what i've seen from a scheme system Mike, last week we had a rookie draft redo and Jason was on the show and he shared a little bit just like Zay Flowers is one of the harder names to figure out where he is in the rookie pecking order. So would you rather have Zay Flowers or 
Well, Puka feels like up in the air now. Zay Flowers or JSN? I'd still go JSN. I think he's the the far more talented wide receiver, and we we have some signs of life, and that which is, I mean, that's all we need. We just give us some signs of life so we can calm those fears of yeah, this was the best wide receiver in the class. Uh, so I I would still go with him. I saw was was Addison. Did Addison end up going first for you guys? Yeah, Addison went as the first receiver. That I wonder how that goes now of like knowing that it's it's not Kirk for the rest of the season. Like yeah, our our emotions from that episode where we had Puka, we you know, let's Stafford injury and then Addison, now we get a cut like very different. We'd be coming in with very different vibes this week. Dynasty's weird because yeah, Addison you would have said like, "Oh, well he's a slam dunk." He's proven it, and now you're you're questioning. I don't know what he is. Is it Josh Dobbs this week? Is it Jaron Hall? Who's the quarterback next year? It's wild, guys. Yeah, and it could be like uh, I, you, Josh Dobbs has been okay. Uh, so like the Minnesota people, Josh Dobbs is not coming to save your season. Um, there was <laughs> like he's been. Come on, Mike. He's he's just he's not. He is he is a Russian hearts right on the show. <laughs> He is a a fine quarterback, but he's, I mean, there's been there's been real real uh, deficiencies in his game. But it's like long term, this year going. Who's the quarterback next year? We already knew it was probably not going to be Kirk. And will Addison be good? Is Addison truly good enough to overcome a subpar starting quarterback? I, I don't know. I don't have the answer for that right now. Yeah. No, that's that's a big question. Let's take one more break, and we'll be right back. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. 
All right, let's keep this train moving. We're going to talk about a couple wide receivers and finish off with some tight ends. Bets, who is a young wide receiver and that you're looking at and just kind of the bar, where is he at right now? Yeah, this is a guy that, you know, in the offseason, we really were not big fans of just as far as his fantasy outlook, and that's Josh Downs. But, man, halfway through the year, he is an every week starter in fantasy. Like you just lock him in because of the volume and his ability to earn targets. So I just kind of wanted to get your guys' temperature of where you're at with Josh Downs, where you see his floor ceiling combo at, because I I, th- I still think for me personally, I have some doubts and concerns that he could ever turn into, you know, an elite top 12, top 15 sort of fantasy wide receiver. But the guy is earning targets at a pretty high level. So far this year, 20, uh, 20.1% targets throughout run, 1.8% yards throughout run. Those are awesome numbers for an undersized rookie wide receiver, you know, in this system. So I'm at least intrigued that, you know, this past offseason during the draft process, I was like, you know, if someone else wants to take a shot on Josh Downs in the back of the second round or whatever, like, you know, rookie draft, you do it. I'm going to pass. And now I'm kind of kicking myself. I wish I had some Josh Downs. So where are you guys at with the, with the rookie Indy? Josh Downs to me is someone that I like I'm I'm happy to hold for for now because I think he is a very helpful player for you right now. But if someone is bought in on Josh Downs being like a future great player for fantasy football, I would get out. Uh this like what is he what what would Josh Downs season look like right now? If it was just a completely healthy Anthony Richardson, and I mean, you, it's really anyone's guess, but my guess would be not anything close to what is happening right now for for Josh Downs and same for Michael Pittman. This is a completely different offense than you are going to see. The future of the Colts is is it is not Gardner; it's Richardson, and they are two very different players. Yes, Richardson has the big arm, so it's not that Josh Downs is going to disappear. Or he looks like a great wide receiver. There's a reason that that Reggie Wayne, who's you know with the team, said, "I I think I thought Josh Downs was the best wide receiver in the class." That's that's a nice high praise from a Hall of Fame wide receiver. But those targets are not going to be as good and as frequent once Richardson is the quarterback next year. So if you can, where where was Downs? Like a late second. Maybe early third or or I can't remember For rookie picks. Yeah, yeah. I think he was like a back of the second type of guy. Yeah. So if, if I can take that, got got the production that I got right now, and someone wants to give me a first rounder for Josh Downs, I would do it. I that's fair. I look at him as he's Jamison Crowder. That's that's it, and that's an okay career. That's somebody who can maybe be a top thirty wide receiver if he gets like six touchdowns. But I just I wonder if you're ever going to get anything more. The only thing I can put some trust in is that Shane Steigen's smart. He knows what he's doing. There's a reason this offense is still super fantasy relevant, despite having Gardner Minshew. So he I, almost didn't. This I don't know how close you guys watched the game uh, this week, but I I almost had to just tear up all Colts paraphernalia that I had <laughs> when they got when they were in. Like I think they were in uh, the red zone, and it was fourth in inches, and then they pulled the whole fake going for it. Like it's fourth in inches, and you are in the red zone. 
just go. Just give the ball to Moss. Give it. I don't care what you do. Just go. And then they took the delay of game. Like they didn't call a timeout. They took a delay of game penalty. Go back five yards. Draw the other team offsides so they get the five yards back. But it's not a first down because they took the delay of game penalty. And then they went for it. And and it was an easy Michael Pittman (laughs) touchdown. So it was like, well, okay, we got there. But the, the fact that you didn't just automatically go for it, fourth and inches in the red zone, is... That is disastrous coaching, in my opinion. <laughs> so we got at the end of the day, we got there. But if if things had gone according to plan, they would have just kicked the field goal, and it was I was ripping my hair out, screaming at the television, "Just go for it!" it I mean, if it's Richardson, it's a tush push. They get in, yeah, or they they, they convert. But you still have, I mean, you, Zach Moss has been great this year. Taylor was back, which we Taylor might be banged up now, but. At the time, it was, how do you not go for it here? It's it's so abs- that what is the what is the probability of you picking up a fourth in inches, like high eighties, low ninety percentile? Don't be a coward. Play to win the game. <laughs> Mike Wright coming in, you know. Oh man, I love it. Just doesn't it's, like the cowardice. No, it's it, the oh my gosh, and then you have uh, freaking Aikman and his war on <laughs> war on analytics of <laughs> like his favorite thing is well the analytics would always say go for it, which no they do not they definitely do not it is game theory numbers and then the best is well the analytics say go for it and then what are they gonna, let's let's see if they were right that's not the point man <laughs> the, the point <laughs> fail failure is built in. To the numbers. It's not a, well, you need to go for it here because 100% of the time you're going to pick it up. No, of course not. Stop it. That's not how it works. Get a freaking education, man. <laughs> the Ugh. Aikman Monday Night Football uh, count. We should have like a counter, a ticker of how many times he says analytics because any fourth down, he is <laughs> waiting to just yes. hammer analytics. Also, one of the best quotes from Monday Night Football was past week. I believe he said, I've never met a meatball I didn't like during one of the kickoffs. <laughs> yeah, I saw it on Twitter today. It was so funny. I forget what it was in reference to, but anyone that watched Monday Night Football may have I mean, caught that. Just, I live is, for the Aikman-isms. They're so good. He is very correct because meatballs are one of the oh, most yes. one of the most delicious things ever made. And then it just reminded me of the two weeks ago when it was Dallas I think the Dallas Chargers game, I believe, uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was fourth and short, and it was, well, the analytics say you you got you should go for it. Let's see if it's right. Dak, majestic fake handoff, rips right. off a 20-yard run or whatever for a touchdown. I, where was it, Aikman? Where was the, whoa, they were right, because <laughs> now they have a ton of points. Yeah, there's no homerism coming in, but... He he saw the analytics of his statistics, and he would be a very, very below average quarterback oh, in this day and age. So, sorry. Take that. Um, <laughs> hey, but right. my nice, my '90s self thought he was good because they were winning, right? Yeah, they won a lot. Yeah. Oh, did um, you give us the meatball video here, Bets? Yeah, there it is for your All enjoyment right. later. I'll watch that later. <laughs> the meatball vid. I I want to quickly throw out George Pickens because he's a different wide receiver this year. As a rookie, 
Deep ball. Throw it deep. 36% of his targets were just deep. And what was that? Like a one? It was very Fulton Reed-esque, to quote Mighty Ducks. Like one out of five. You feel like you'd get a uh, Pickens target and go, okay. And then the next one would be like, this isn't going to work. This year, guys, 48% of his targets are in the intermediate area. That's sixth best among all wide receivers. Like They're using him differently, and you're kind of seeing a different wide receiver where every week he's pretty dependable. I mean, last week was just one catch. It was a touchdown. It was the most George Pickens line ever. One catch, 22 yards, touchdown. But I feel like we're in the area now where George Pickens isn't just chuck it deep. And that makes him somebody that you can start almost every single week. Like I have him, Mike, in Dino Jr. I traded for him. And I feel like every week, not only am I getting dependable points, like he can have boom weeks where he's he's my wide receiver too, my flex, and I feel really good about it. So anything you guys are seeing from Pickens, as he as he morphed from just, you know, what is he long-term to, this guy's an NFL wide receiver. Yeah, I, I mean... He was kind of one of those guys that came in that you weren't really sure what his role would be because everything was just these highlight, real contested catches, which they're, they're so good. They're so fun to watch. Um, and part of it was like, okay, well, is that just who he is? Is that the scheme with Matt Canada? What is it? And I just want to push back a little on this and just say, Whoa. we need more of a sample size Whoa. with Deontay Johnson in the lineup this year to know, is this actually what they want him to be and what he can be? or not what he can be, what the offense will let him be, or is this just a, well, Deontay was out, we need to give Pickens a more expanded role and not just be this goal ball wide receiver. So in week seven, when Deontay came back, he did do that. Last week, he did not do that. So like, I just want to wait and see what happens this year with Deontay back in the lineup. That's a good point, and we'll see on Thursday night against the Titans. So I like it when you disagree with me, because you know we don't do that a ton on when Betts and I record together, so... Stick it to me, Bets. Just tell me I'm an idiot. I mean, you are an idiot, Kyle. <laughs> Why? What kind of take is that on Jordan? No, I'm just kidding. You know, uh, I, I hear your point, Kyle, but respectfully, I disagree, and yeah. you look ridiculous. Yes, <laughs> I disrespectfully disagree. Ooh, get him, Mike. Get him. I'm, 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 Bets is absolutely right. It's I have. Uh, little to zero faith in Matt Canada and his ability to have a competent offense. So I will post some of these other metrics uh, in an article. We're looking at year one, year two, and you wide receivers kind of gauging where they are at. So it is interesting because I think a lot of people are trying to figure that out. Let's finish off real quick and talk about a couple of tight ends and where they're at. So year one, year two, year three tight ends. Um, Mike, you kind of have the big name. There's only one guy I want to talk about. I don't care about your guys. Oh, go for it. No, we'll close with mine. You talk about yours so we can make it quick. Mine is just a a sad, sad thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Man, you want to talk about the person that burned nuclear hot over the offseason. Okonkwo was ever, like, (laughs) the whole industry was like, no one's talking about Okonkwo, except everyone is talking about, like everyone on Twitter was talking about Okonkwo and how this is the future. And, and okay, cue Kyle Sadness. Go ahead. I, I, I was definitely not one that talked about him very much. You know, I just, you know, briefly <laughs> made videos. Sometimes in passing. So 
When you go to Kyle's uh, Twitter, you'll see this this post has been deleted. Yeah, <laughs> multiple times. Yeah, I've canceled myself for any uh, Aconquo thoughts. Kyle, there's like a three month span of missing <laughs> tweets. Oh man, on the main show, don't worry about that. We did a uh, ten things to remember, and I talked about tight end stats for Dynasty, and I used Chig as the poster boy for it. And what you love seeing from Chig last year was down the field stuff, guys. His yards. Uh, Yards after the catch per reception is cut in half this year. It's like short stuff only. And then this past week, you know, as I was watching that Levis film, like we all did, um, he had a massive drop on a play that he could have had at least 30 yards after the catch. So it hasn't been good. He was second on the team in routes run this past week. So need to leave the light on. I mean, you're not obviously he's just going to sit on your bench, but he's talented enough, young enough to at least just say, hey, he's not done. But it, it's not encouraging this year. Under one yards per outrun, that is not good. So just wanted to throw out Chig, mention his name, and he might have a pulse. That's that's as far as I can go. Bets. So he's a, a tight end fantasy not named Kelsey Andrews Hawkinson. He's just one of those at this point to me. So we'll see. Um, Don Kincaid, I just wanted to talk about quickly his expanded role without Dawson Knox. I think it was just, if you have him in Dynasty, this is everything you are hoping it would be, where he is not just on the field a bunch, but earning routes, or earning targets and routes, and being a focal point of the offense. Uh, last week, he was third on the team in routes behind only Diggs and Gabe Davis. So this is what you're going to get as long as Dawson Knox is out. And we don't have a firm timetable on that, but we know he's on IR, so it'll be another uh, three weeks or so at least. But even when Dawson Knox comes back, I don't know how the Bills see what Don Kincaid was capable of in this expanded role and go back to what they were doing before. So I'm very excited about what Don Kincaid could be this season and obviously in Dynasty. All right. Now the real conversation is here. Let's talk about T. McBee, a.k.a. Trey McBride, who we were asked on the main podcast, like, what is the Dynasty? And this like... You, uh, maybe a month ago or so, what is the dynasty outlook for Trey McBride? And at that time, it was like, I think our answer was essentially, the Viking funeral has started. Like, we haven't fired the arrows out yet, so there is, there, there's a chance that he's, he goes zombie on us. But as of right now, it feels bad. And this is, to me, just goes back to another an- another bad bad coaching decisions last year when when Trey McBride is a rookie I totally get it let Zach Ertz be the veteran presence you're trying to win games but this year you don't have your starting quarterback for half the season you behind the scenes it sounds like they knew exactly how long they would not have Kyler why are you why are you forcing Zach Ertz out there like th- this is a this is a try not to lose strategy. It's not a try to win. It's a try not to lose strategy. Yards after contact, it's completely gone. That that does not exist in Zachert's game anymore. His recovery and everything. Happy for the man who's he's injured now. That's why we're even talking about this. But the fact that we had such low snaps, low production for Trey McBride, who was the first tight end drafted back when he was a second round pick just two years ago. When we've seen him as a full-time player, 
including one game, Kyle, I think what was it got against the Falcons, if it I was. remember right? Seven for 70 with a touchdown. Just, I mean, electric stuff that very few tight ends in the league will ever, can even dream about putting up a game like that. And then they put him right back on the bench for Zach Ertz. Was ridiculous. Full-time Trey McBride, right immediately, immediately, a 14-target game, huge production for, for T. McBee. And it's, yes, of course, this is what it should be. But what is our confidence level? And maybe that's a Josh Dobbs thing. Like maybe, you know, Kyle when Kyler's back or it's Clayton Toon for a week, whatever, regardless. Kyler will be here for the rest of the season. Will he continue targeting the tight end position as much as Josh Dobbs did? Will they keep letting Trey McBride actually be a focal point of the offense? That remains to be seen. So it's we're kind of at a, a uh an inflection point in the in the canon of Trey McBride. And are you at this point right now, would you be pushing your chips all in or would you be would you keep your, your stack of money and just let the let the flop happen? I if I had him That was a poker reference, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Poker <laughs> face. I got it. Um let's say that he's your tight end too, and you're just like, okay, I I you know, I it's more of like a luxury to have him on your team. If there's somebody else in your league that's willing to pay up for him after this past week, because 14 targets is insane, 39% of the team's targets insane, and being targeted on 27% of your routes is insane. That's probably the best it's ever going to be. Yeah. So, I, you know, if it, do you think you could get a late first for him? I mean, that's what you, that's what a lot of people spent just to draft him, though. Right. So would you would you be saying cash out? But it's like, okay, so he's your, let's say he's your tight end too, but there's a lot of people where it's like your tight end one is Evan Engram. Your tight end one is Darren Waller. Your tight end one is Carl Pitts. You know, I mean, like there's, there's, there's Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, and Hawkinson. Other than that, it I don't know that it matters who you're tied in. Well, maybe Sam Laporta because it seems right. like he is skyrocketing. But like even Kittle, Kittle has still has his explosive games, but he just absolutely vanishes for huge stretches of time. So what? Aside from those tight ends, if you had those at your tight end one, would you really be willing? Like you want to bail out on on McBride, or or is it better for your dynasty team to see what he becomes? I'll just give this a quick take from last week. So before this game where he exploded, we got the news of Zach Ertz on our, and I was like, well, right. I'm just going to put him on the trade block and just see what people offer. And it was like, man, it was like, you know, in a super flex league, it was like PJ Walker in a third and like just yeah, random stuff garbage. like that. It's like, yeah, I'm going to keep him and just hope. And then this happened and I'm like, okay. So I put him back on the block mm-hmm. to see. Oh, I got some early second projected early second offers from Ooh, non-contending see, teams i would not i, I would and yeah not. and that's what i mean it's like well that's not really enough of a difference maker to me i'd at least look we're starving for tight ends that can actually make a difference in fantasy and it's the smallest sample but in games where he has gotten opportunity he has earned targets and it's so hard to find that at the tight end position this is a guy in college who caught over a thousand is yards it, yes. in his, his final year Dominate. that does not happen for college tight ends so Unless someone I think offers me at least a late first, I'm probably just holding on and, and seeing what I got. Yeah. 
That's probably the best advice because, like I said, my my gut was I need at least a late first, and I don't know if I'm going to get it. And at the end of the day, it's probably best just to say, let me wait, see where this goes. And like Mike mentioned, if you're one of those teams that doesn't have an elite tight end, sweet, mix and match. You can play McBride, you know, you can you know play some other guys, Ferguson, whoever, and just kind of ride it out from there. But and what is, what is the future of the Cardinals uh, pass catchers? Hollywood Brown is a free agent. He was his name was floated a lot for the trade deadline that has come and gone. He's still on the team, but at least as of right now, they don't have an extension for him. It's like Michael Wilson, and uh, we're probably near the end of Rondale Moore's contract uh, as well. Thirds, I mean, you don't want to get too far in front of your skis because it's in Dynasty. It's very very difficult to not overreact. But what? It, there are not many tight ends who you can at least, you know, if you close your eyes, just like have them open just enough, like so that there's like a barely any light coming into your eyes. There's very few tight ends where you can see the path that this this is a player who could be in the offense, a Mark Andrews or Travis Kelsey. I'm not I'm not putting his skill or his talent level there right now, but saying. Very few teams actually build around the tight end position. Uh, that's kind of the the biggest problem I think for all of us is there's there's a lot of really talented tight ends out there, but no one gets the Travis Kelsey treatment or the Mark Andrews treatment where they are truly the first read in the offense. Is there a chance that? So I'll, I'll ask that question to close out the conversation. Is there a chance, in your opinion, that Trey McBride? can become the number one read in this offense next year. Yes. Okay. There's a chance. Yeah, there is you're saying I don't know there's how a big chance. the chance is. So you're telling me there's a chance. But I can go through the rest of, you know Oh sure. Here's is there a chance that uh George Kittle is the number one? Nope. Cole Komet, nope. Engram, no. Goddard, no. Logan Thomas, no. Pitts, no. Schultz, no. Jake Ferguson, no. You know, I mean, it's a it's a real easy you just slam the door shut and say no, impossible. Uh, maybe McBride just yes. there's at least there's the, the light seeps in. Yeah, it's it's a good point. It's probably no. Don't don't hear what I'm not saying. It's probably no. Very true. <laughs> but as but of right now, it's not a definitive one. Yeah, and that's rare. Like you said, if you just start going team by team, all 32 teams, you can start realizing like, wow, there's a lot fewer than you think. So um, that's gonna do it for this episode. Next week. We will get to talk about some of our mid-season dynasty awards with Jason and get to talk through some of that. So that's going to do it for us. You can check out everything at fantasyfootballers.com. If you want to be a part of our community, join thefoot.com and hang out with us, guys. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Footballers Dynasty Podcast. If you want to take your dynasty skills to the next level, check out thefantasyfootballers.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.